Okay, Matt. Okay, just do something for me. Say, uh, say, say, welcome to my podcast. Welcome to my podcast. Our podcast, sweetie. <laughs> He's pointing to his ring finger. He's doing mm-hmm. his best, Gaga. Dave has yes. just seen House of Gucci. And uh, thoughts? Oh my god, uh, it is like the that old SNL sketch where they said cheeseburger, cheeseburger a million times, mm. but Italian and three hours long. Uh, it, it it was the most ridiculous movie that I have ever mostly loved. Loved. It's, it's it's yeah. I mean, it's objectively not a good movie. It's not. I suppose not, but I didn't mind. Didn't bother me one bit. No. I mean, I d- I definitely fell asleep for about 20 minutes of it. Um but I don't I don't really think I missed anything. Um the clothing is of course amazing. Uh it but it's it is so it it is crazy crazy over the top and then Al Pacino walks in. And you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it, it's every everyone is it's everyone's in a completely different um uh, headspace. I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Yeah. And I know it makes no sense that uh, you know that these are all Italian people in Italy speaking English to each other with uh, Italian accents yes. that are also like you know probably not the best accents. Again, all over all over the Italian doesn't map. bother me. I just feel like yeah, the way Gaga just for the the the, the spoon tap uh, on the espresso cup alone, mm-hmm. she knew what we needed. She delivered. Yeah, no, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it is terrific. It's a, it's a triumph and also an absolutely terrible movie. Um, there there's a point at which all the Italian people are talking to each other in English with different Italian accents, but then they're trying. They say something that they don't want Adam Driver to understand. They don't want him to hear them, so they say it in Italian with in, English subtitles. Right. Right, which yeah, it's, yeah it's, again does not quite. But by that track, time, it's just like yes, of we, course, we've accepted yes, of everything. Course. Yes, of by course. that point. Here's the thing. Okay, now we, I feel like we feel differently about Jared Leto in this film. Yes, well, we talked about this a little bit in our interview. But what was your experience? Yeah, of them? my experience was just like you know, l- legit fat bald person representation matters sure you know what i mean you could get somebody who's a little heavy and losing their hair i've never i never thought i would say these words but like couldn't jeremy piven have make made a meal of this role that, you wow, know yeah and and, ju- and not have needed prosthetics or not to that degree um it's instead we get you know jared leto in a face that does not move um doing like an accent uh, like his accent is just like making yummy fingers mm-hmm. with his hands mm-hmm. and putting uh at the end of every third word it's it, it's so utterly bananas but you i you enjoyed it he was my favorite part of the movie i thought he was okay. brilliant i mean i i did okay. look at michael at some point who's very <laughs> italian and say just yeah. simply is this offensive and he was like mm-hmm. uh, probably but i'm into it and I was too. I mean, I just, yeah, his accent was uh, insane, but yeah, boy, did I have fun watching him. Yeah. No, it's, 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 uh, it's so much fun. By the way, I also saw Red Rocket. Have you seen it yet? Okay. I've not yet seen Red Rocket. I've not yet seen Red Rocket. What were your thoughts? Well, that is definitely one of the best of the year. Simon Rex is genius. It's, I'm sure people know this, but it's the, uh, Simon Baker is the director of Tangerine, a Florida project who, uh, 
strangely yeah. is a straight man, which just does not add up with it is crazy. Yeah. The kinds of films yeah. he makes, but still love him. No. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm dying to see it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet, but I certainly will. Um, we are, our guest this week, we are catching at the exact right moment uh, Yes, in like 800 different ways. Um, I saw him in, uh, in company in the revival of company. He plays Andy, the flight attendant. He is super funny. Um, and, and I was like, oh, we got to get him on the show. And then uh, he is also about to appear in the upcoming HBO show, The Gilded Age with, uh, Cynthia Nixon and Christine Baranski and this unbelievable cast. Um, he is about to explode in a massive way. He is super talented and funny. Uh, and, and we got him for New Year's Eve. How did we do this? Right before he, he, he steps back into his role on Broadway. He's been out of company, uh, for COVID reasons, but he's back as of tomorrow, New Year's Day. We're starting 2022 fresh. 21 was an uneven year, but we're, we're ending it on an extremely high note. We're, we're, we're merrily, we roll along into 2022 with Claiborne Elder. You are going to love this gentleman. Claiborne Elder on our very own show. Folks, if you, we're diving right in. We're not wasting a second, Clay. Dive, dive, go head first. Um, Folks, if you have not yet seen the uh, revival of Company that is currently on Broadway, it is spectacular. And our guest steals it completely. Oh, come on. That's very sweet of you. It is such a funny, funny, funny performance uh, and sexy performance. And it's it's just it's fantastic. Uh, Claiborne Elder, you are now at home recuperating, correct? That is I mean, am I recuperating? I am. I am at home. Um, I'm feeling fine. I did have covid. I was sick for I was sick for a couple of days for sure. Then I was fine. But uh, yes, I'm out of the show. I'm out of the show until January 1st. Okay. Okay. Well, that's right around the corner. It is right around the corner. It's Saturday. I feel fine. It's so sad. I mean, it's a little bit sad in that, you know, we waited for two years for this show to to be on Broadway. And now I'm waiting. I had to sit out, you know, like sit on the sidelines and watch these 10 days go yeah. by, which is a little sad because, you know, you, know, you don't even want to miss one. I mean, right. talk to me in a year and hopefully we're still running and I'll be exhausted and I'll be like, I would do anything to miss a show. But right now, I don't want to miss a single one. So it's hard to sit out. Yeah, I'm sure. But you but you're feeling you're feeling better. You're on the mend. It's true. And what have you been doing in the in the downtime just to uh, keep yourself sane? Well, I bought myself a chainsaw. Okay. Oh, was not expecting that. That sounds ominous. Uh, no, I've been chopping down. I, I spent this morning chopping down trees around my property that needed to come down. So that felt good. That felt productive. Um, yeah. Been fixing things around my house. I've been watching a lot of movies with my son, who is four. Great. I've watched Encanto every day. Oh, great. Your thoughts on Encanto? How is it? I liked it very much. You know, it's catchy. Okay. I will... I will say that there are songs from it that have been in my head for the past four days that I would do anything to banish from my mind. Uh, However, they're not bad songs. Um, I just am sick of waking up to them in my head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's Disney for you. Yeah. Um, 
have you been have you been catching up on the uh, on the end of year awards prestige movies and whatnot do you get screeners yes um i have okay. been catching up on a few things although this is sort of like the initial pandemic time when all of my friends were like i just watched all of gray's anatomy yeah that's actually from your last episode who from your yeah. guest who watched all of gray's anatomy but i I did not because partially because I have a four-year-old who is a single child, which means that I am his constant playmate. So I like got to watch, you know, like an hour of TV when he went to sleep. Similarly, I'm halfway through the new James Bond movie. I'm halfway through. I, well, no, I finished um, Don't Look Up, okay. which I really enjoyed. So did I. Polarizing. Dark. Polarizing. I did. Right? Yeah. Yes. Dark and polarizing. People feel uh, as though they're being lectured to, and it's like, yeah, you mm-hmm. are. Yeah, you are. That is that is what the movie is. <laughs> that uh, is definitely what the movie is. It's, but, it's yeah, the it movie fun. we deserve. It's the lecture we all deserve. So it is. It is. Yeah, I uh, I'm right there with you. Okay. Have Have you started with House of Gucci yet? <sighs> no, I'm ashamed. Okay. To gay say that I haven't. Our queen yeah. made a movie, yeah. and yeah. I didn't even bow down to say thank you. Yeah. Not just a movie, a fashion okay. movie, uh, a movie with a fashion movie with a dialect, invented accents oh. all over the map. I mean, Claiborne, you're in for such a treat. Oh my God, it's it's truly. It is everybody's in a different movie. Everybody's in a different region of Italy uh it is truly wild it's so crazy over the top and then al pacino shows up yeah you know what i mean like it's it it starts off the rails and then and then it just goes up um yeah you're really you're going to you won't be bored all right you will sometimes actually that's not true you will sometimes be bored but it is it is um it's entertaining but I have no idea whether it's good. Oh, I well, I was gonna say it's it's not, but honestly, I can't even say that confidently. I know that right. you will walk away needing a chunky white turtleneck immediately because of, of what Adam Driver's wearing. Um, uh-huh. And I know that Jared Leto is a genius. Those are the things that I know from it i mean people are very upset by his accent and that he's playing like a super mario brothers character and all that stuff is all true yes but i'm grinning ear to ear the entire time he's on screen it's just delightful it's completely wild completely wild. you've you've given me an excellent thing to put on my to-do list this is this is please watch please report back Mm -hmm. let me ask you this what did you grow up obsessed with pop culture wise um well i grew up mormon I'm the youngest of eight, so I wow. spent a yeah I spent a lot of time in front of the television because uh, because I was the youngest of eight, and my parents were like, "Which one are you? I don't know. Go watch TV." <laughs> yeah. So I I was obsessed. I wanted to be a cartoonist, so I was really obsessed with cartoons. I was really obsessed with the Looney Tunes and and Disney as well. Though I wouldn't classify myself as like a full Disney gay because that that adds like a layer that I don't I don't possess. Um, but not that I'm judging it. I'm. It's wonderful. Get married there, please. Hmm. Um, oh boy, that's a step further than I would go. But uh, you know, right on. I'd have. I also have a gay older brother who is a Disney gay, and he uh, did well. He got engaged at Disneyland, um, uh-huh. which is great. 
Uh, but yeah. so I was obsessed with like, I remember from an early, like I memorized all the cartoonists names and I would impress my mother by my mother by like who was doing who, which voice and who was drawing who. And, and then I realized I can't, I can't draw, um, <laughs> to save oh. my life. <laughs> Even now when I try to draw with my son, I'm like, oh, I can't draw. This is really bad. This is really yeah. very, very bad. So then I got into, um, Music. I was a violinist for for like twelve years. I studied violin and into theater and started doing theater when I was thirteen or fourteen. And uh huh. I never looked back. Here yeah. we are. When we say, when we say Looney Tunes, what what era are we talking? The old ones, like the good okay. old ones. Bugs Bunny, Roadrunner. Same. I grew up on those, and they're they're incredible. But they weren't made for us at all. They they were not made. For our age group or the era that we grew up in, um, fully like World War II jokes and Edward G. Robinson impressions and oh, things yeah. that like that kids uh, when I was a kid did not know anything about. And yet that was what was on. And so you watched over and over and they imprinted on you. It's a very strange thing. It's true. But I also that's what I that's what I appreciate about children's uh the children's medium in general like even even children's books and things that are that are vaguely adult or reference adult things i appreciate and i think that also that has something to do with my gayness too which is that these sorts of references found their way into my into my life in a way that i kind of understood adult jokes from an early age i think because of it right and you felt, as a child watching those, you felt like, I don't get that reference and that's on me to fix. Yes, you know, I'm going to like exactly. engage more fully with this thing. It's not, it's not like, I don't know what that is. So this is bad. It's like, I don't know what this is. So I got some work to do. I got mm -hmm. some stretching to do. Yeah, for which, sure. Yeah, that's important. And I'm going to that. parrot this back to my parents to make them laugh because I know it will make them laugh. Exactly. And I, even if I don't know why. Yeah, I was just—I I was only interested in Bugs Bunny doing drag, and aside from that, it was yeah. When's Jem and the Holograms on? You know? <gasps> oh wow, Jem and the Holograms. Oh, she's truly outrageous. Truly. When are we gonna make a movie worthy of her? Hasn't happened. <sighs> no, you know, I the, lots of those cartoons though. I will say, and I think that this is a common uh, of my generation thing. Which there were lots of there were lots of cartoon characters to have sexual feelings about when I was a child. He Man, mm. Skeletor, mm. maybe even more Skeletor, because Skeletor, Skeletor was like a bad bad guy. Yeah, you know? um, Jem wasn't making anybody straight. Um, you know, there were lots of them that I was really obsessed with. But then also when things that were of my age group, like the Power Rangers, came out, and I was like, "That's for kids," even though it was for me, right? Mm. But I was like, "Yeah, no, no I'm not interested." Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Um, like it, it's important to have things that you love when you're a young gay kid, but it's also important to have things to be a snob about when you're a gay kid <laughs> to be like a little sure. too cool for, for oh, me, it yeah. was Scooby-Doo. I was like, this is, this is for idiots. I don't understand why anybody so do he can't cares even talk. about, no, he can't even talk. He can't <laughs> Ruby, even talk. Ruby, stop. Just stop it. Stop. stop it. Why? Like, talk or don't. But yes. don't go. Like, don't. where you have parked is not a good place. 
Uh, and then, then there's scrappy, also, and then it just yeah, it's just yeah. ridiculous. And also, the '60s were not my era. The clothes were not impressing me. I was not interested. They were just no. dirty hippies. I didn't want it. They were. That's exactly right. They were just filthy hippies. <laughs> um, now, Josie and the Pussycats. There, sure. it's like that's I can level. I can get on board yes. with that. Yes, exactly. Yes. Thank yeah. you. And yeah. that was a good movie. That was a movie that was worthy of its subject. That's right. It really did. It's it really source did. material. So, what about high? Uh, High school Claiborne, you were uh, <sighs> doing theater by then, it sounds like. But what, what else were yes. you up to? What was the look? What was the vibe? What was the social scene? Well, okay. Let's just get this out of the way. All right. Okay. I was, you're going to hate it, but I was glued to my television all the way through Who Wants to Be a VJ? I was okay. rooting uh, for you. Okay, thank you. I don't hate this. I am Why actually would you think not. I would hate this? I'm truly not kidding. Uh, this is not just saying this to you for this. I was. Um, I liked you very much as, as a high schooler, and I was right. I was right in the pocket of like that was just the right time for me to watch that. You know, I was. It was to me. It was for me. Yeah. I yeah. watched you. I watched you for years after that other guy left. Um, because mm. I don't know what Clay. you, anyway, um, Clay. yes, Dave Holmes, I know your name. Thank well, you. I was true. I Thank really you. did. Uh, I did like you very much in high school. That means um, the world. Oh, good. I'm glad you're not like, uh, yeah, great. Thanks. No, 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 that's <laughs> truly, it's truly an honor. You must know that. I mean, of course, well, it's never bad to hear someone say wonderful. that's good. very kind. And I'm thrilled you're gay. Um, I was thrilled Thank you. when you came out. I'm thrilled I'm um, gay too. Ah, it's great, isn't it? I really enjoy it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, all right. So high school, you high were an MTV week. kid. I was an MTV kid, um, you know, doing theater, doing, watching MTV, youngest of eight uh -huh. kids. Uh, none of, yeah. all of my, all of my older siblings are social scientists, political science, uh, psychologists. Yes. Coming home for Thanksgiving to my house as a, as a boyfriend was hell. Um, cause there yeah, was I'm just sure. so many questions about how you felt about how your dad felt about you. Yeah. Um, but wow. my dad was a contractor and a farmer. My mom is a school teacher and a photographer. Um, and I went to a charter school where my mother, um, was a teacher, like not a fancy school. Like they were, when it rained, there were holes in the ceiling and it would rain in our classrooms. But it was great education and I loved it. And when I was 15, I saw a, an ad in the paper, my little small town paper that said they were giving scholarships for kids to go on foreign exchange. <clears throat> and I had studied French for four or five years at that point. And without telling my parents, I forged their signatures and applied for this scholarship, wrote an essay, applied for the scholarship and got it. And I got it sometime, I don't know, maybe in July and in August, I moved to France. So I told my parents in July, hey, I did this thing. Can I go? And they were like, yeah, sure. Wow. I got it. I got a job at the, um, the cherry packing plant. <laughs> Whereas my job, to, I packed 50 pound tubs of cherries. There are lots of cherries in the mountains of Utah. And, um, I packed 50 pound tubs of cherries all the rest of the summer to save up money. And I moved to France to study when I was almost 16. And then I was there for a year, um, my junior year of high school. And I came back. And at that point, I had, I came back and I went to a public, like a 
just a public school um, in Utah. But I was so, I had already kind of lived on my own for a year in France and had gone to school and it was incredibly hard. And I was bored with living with my parents and going to school and I just hated it and was not a good student, um, but was doing all the school plays. And, and so that was high school. I kind of felt like an outsider a lot because I wasn't, I had gone to this one school and then gone to France and then gone to this other school where nobody knew me and nobody really knew me or cared about me. And, and I, um, so I was really into kind of my theater friends and I'm still very good friends with my, those people I was theater friends with, though none of them went to school with me. Yeah. Wow. So like you were just fully independent from a very young age. Yeah. Yeah. That strikes me as not super typical for uh, a young religious kid. No, I don't. Uh, or a kid from a religious family. Yeah, not not really, though. I mean, I think that I came from a long line of overachievers. Uh, yeah. And I was not the I was not the overachiever uh, academically in my family. So I yeah. kind of had to find my own thing a lot. And that turned into theater and it turned yeah. like and also going to France that I was like, I'm going to go do this thing. Bye. Um, wow. So your parents were not super duper overly protective then? No, thankfully. Yeah. They let me make a lot of mistakes. And being in Utah, the mistakes were pretty safe. So, Sure. Okay. So talk to us about coming out, uh, you know, in a Mormon family with the gay older brother who I, I'm, I'm guessing came out before you or maybe he didn't. How, how did that all shake out? Well, I think that um, my my older brother did come out technically, but he kind of went into reparative therapy, which is oh, wow. its own hell of a conversation. Wow. And um, yeah, really terrible. And sorry, how and old were you when that was happening? I was 14 mm. when that was happening. Oof. But we never talked about it. Right. I knew it was happening, but we never really talked about it. And so when I came out, when I was... 18 to my parents and said, I'm gay and I'm not doing anything about it. Yeah. That provided its own set of challenges, though I am incredibly lucky in that I have parents who were pretty immediately supportive and just said, you know, we love you and that's all that matters and we're going to figure this out. Um, yeah. Yeah. It could have been very bad. And I know oh, yeah. I have a lot of gay, gay Mormon friends who had really horrible experiences coming out. Mine was pretty easy it sounds like it yeah and i think we all consider ourselves mormon scholars now because of the um, real housewives of salt lake city Absolutely. Uh, you know i can only imagine how hard it was for, for for some of those kids i'm glad it was not for you but what's your family's relationship to the church now well my my dad is a i come from a very long line of mormons um and i am in fact Claiborne elder. I'm the seventh Claiborne elder. Wow. It's not, I'm not the seventh because it doesn't go in a direct line, but like there's been a Claiborne elder in the United States since before there was United States. And when the Mormon church formed, my great, great, great grandfather was among the first people in it. So we have this old family tradition of Mormonism on one side. My mother was a convert to the church from Catholicism, moved mm -hmm. to Utah as basically her biggest form of rebellion was joining joining the mormon church and moving to utah um, <laughs> which great um mm. and uh 
my grandparents hated it. But so my mother was a very non-traditional Mormon. And in fact, when I was growing up, she wrote for the local paper. She wrote like an advice column under an assumed name because she wanted to protect uh, us kids. She didn't want to use her real name. And so uh, it was called Looking Back with Lot's Wife. And it was a, it was oftentimes, um, she said things about the Mormon church that were not very popular and about the Mormon community in general and these, these small town community that we were in and that made people upset and some people loved. And she wrote that column for about a decade. And when I was in fourth grade, she kind of came out and used her real name because she decided we were old enough. And I, my fourth grade teacher was a huge fan of hers. And when he found out that it was my mother, he freaked out and was so excited. And um, it was a very small, I mean, tiny, tiny town thing. But, um, but so she had, I already had this kind of instilled, um, the Mormon church isn't perfect thing uh, from her. And even my father was never, was always very religious, but not a letter of the law sort of person. So um, again, in that way, I was sort of shielded from the, from like the intensity of, of the church. And has, has anything replaced it for you now, spiritually? Broadway. Broadway. Yeah, I was going to say chocolate, um, Judy Garland. Um, no, you know, I am a very lazy agnostic. Um, and I don't, I believe in another thing, another power, the purple spaghetti monster in the sky, whatever it is. I don't, I don't really have a definitive thing name for it. Although I did, I was going to a church in the city for a while that was a Unitarian church because I had friends who went there and it was a super gay Unitarian like thing. And I thought it was really fun. And then they'd bring up Jesus. And I was always like, I don't like this. <laughs> don't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, uh, are you able to indulge in uh, caffeine, alcohol? Yeah, right. That's a big thing. Uh, it's yeah. funny because I, I, I started drinking way before I started drinking caffeine because caffeine is such a big deal in the Mormon church that drinking alcohol to me was almost fine. Um, but I didn't drink coffee till I was 27. Yeah. And it felt so bad. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so bad. I'm going to go to Starbucks. Fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> and now I, now I live off of it. But yeah, it was a long time before I like drank. And also when I, um, when I first moved to New York, I knew nothing about alcohol because I'd hardly drank anything. And um, I, my first job in New York, I got a job as a bartender because a friend of mine worked for a catering company and he was like, just lie and say you're a bartender. You'll just open bottles of wine. It'll be no big deal. And my first job was a private party at someone's house as their bartender. And this was in a time before you could Google anything on your phone. Oh, and people were asking me for like mixed drinks and martinis. Oh and I, it's a miracle they didn't just yell at me and kick me out on the spot. I definitely got fired after this, but I was like, martini <laughs> like shaking things into glasses and being like uh, you asked for a, a doers and soda i'm not sure what that is here's something yeah. clear yeah clay, clay i will tell you that happened at our christmas party this year um we oh, had no. a bartender who brought along a trainee and we were like okay fine that's fine you can bring along a trainee but somebody would ask for like um a gin and tonic and he would like 
pull out a bottle of rum and the main bartender's like no that that is that is rum look at the label um it, like i he made someone a margarita that i think i think had mustard in it oh you know? God. like it was utterly like it, it was i didn't realize how badly the trainee needed training but it was you know whatever it's we, he was we, serving us forgive. we were uh, my, the friends that i was with we were ordering tequila and, and sodas with limes and yes. he called it ranch water which maybe that is just a known thing but i really liked that term he also yeah. seemed as if he had had a few ranch waters previous to the, the yes. event yeah but he was yeah. doing great yeah yeah that is yeah we we shouldn't keep hiring the same bartender that we do because he will often get drunk at our own parties but that's that's part of the charm but Absolutely. is he fun oh yeah is he a fun drunk? he's pretty fun well then, yeah he's pretty fun no he's definitely I fun mean, he's definitely fun okay. yeah 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 <laughs> all right well i look for it i'll i hopefully you'll invite me and then i'll come and you i'll i'll give you my assessment on his skills. oh good good yeah. yes absolutely next Ranch time you're in LA, on we'll Dave, throw a party Dave. Absolutely. Ah, uh, when did you move to New York? How old were you when you arrived? Uh, I was uh, 25, which okay. I was almost 26. Yeah, which is, you know, older for an actor because many of them move, you know, many of them move to New York when they're 19 and start hitting audition lines. Yeah, yeah. But I was, yeah. I was almost 26. Yeah. Now, what did you done in, in between? Uh, we left to like between high school and New York. Between high school? I went to four different colleges uh, okay. as I... Yeah, I just, as I was trying to figure out what to do with my life, I also went to Russia for a year and studied acting in Russia. And then mm -hmm. I came back, I got a degree in dramaturgy from the University of Utah. And then I spent a, I spent like nine months with my boyfriend at the time backpacking around Southeast Asia and kind of trying to decide what I wanted to do next because it seemed like such an obvious choice to move to New York and try to be an actor. And it seemed also incredibly impossible and like it would never happen because I didn't go to any fancy school. I didn't, I knew nobody, you know, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anything. And so at the end of that time, I decided to go to New York and I was going to give it a year. And I was going to go and just audition for everything I could possibly auditioning for, for a year and see how it went. And I'm still seeing how it's going hmm. uh -huh. so far uh -huh. so good so far so okay <laughs> um uh where did you land when you when you first moved to New? Where, where was your first place queens sunnyside queens, queens. Nice. it was very nice it was a very nice place to live yeah yeah it was cute right. gardens and big yeah. gardens and things i liked it very much yeah. and so did well you were in your you were in your 20s when you start sort of uh you know um professionally pursuing acting but you've been out at least personally for uh, since you were 18 uh, mm -hmm. how did that factor into pursuing acting especially knowing that you're um i mean these these terms are the worst but you know a, a traditional leading man type you know i am so so glad those years are over um it was n it was not fun I was very, it was never like tried to hide my gayness, but there was a period, you know, about five years into my career, I had gotten this, I was in this big off-Broadway play that was like all about me and I was on the poster and it was this huge deal and I had a fancy manager and my fancy manager was like, great, and uh, you don't tell anybody you're gay, ever. And I was like, uh, I'm super gay. I don't, there's no hiding I mean, like I've never in an interview or anything not said it, you know, and, um, and I was also just about to get engaged to my now husband 
it was awful. It really, um, you know, he would, he, he would sit with me at interviews and if they asked something about my sexuality, he would just say, he doesn't want to talk about that. Let's talk about something else. And I just remember being like, this is wrong. And I hate this. And, um, but I also was, you know, young enough and dumb enough to be like, I don't know. He's, I, he knows what he's doing. And I didn't, I didn't ever hide it. And I didn't ever, you know, and I, and I know for a fact that I have lost jobs because of it. Um, mm -hmm. and I, won't talk about it because I've also signed things that say I won't. But there have been shows that I've like been in the workshops of where I'm playing the leading guy. And then they do all the workshops and they're like, great, it's going to Broadway and you are not in it because we cannot have a gay guy be the lead guy. And, um, geez, you know, and it sucked. And I, I would like to say that we're in a different place now. I don't know that we entirely are, but, um, but I, I, I hope that nobody has to go through that same sort of thing now. And, and, you know, it is one of my, one of the things I hate the most is this, the story we all see frequently, which is like blank comes out as gay on his wedding day. I'm like, cool. That's great for you. Uh, <laughs> because it, you know, like it just sucked for me for so many years. It's, um, but Obviously, I wouldn't go back and do it any other way. I would never hope that, wish that on anybody. And, you know, I teach a lot. Um, I teach a lot of workshops and things. And, um, you know, it's that your, your greatest weakness is always going to be your greatest strength. I've played a lot of incredible gay characters. I, I am happy to be the token gay playing a straight guy. That's super fun for me. You know, it's, um, anyway. Soapbox. I'm, I've gotten we, off it now. Uh, please, no. that's what you're here for, <laughs> is to soapbox. So talk to us about company, and where you mm. were when you got the... Where, where were you in life when you got the role? What was the process? Walk us through that. So I, I have done a lot of Stephen Sondheim shows, not on purpose, just it's sort of the jobs that I've fallen into a lot. And I had just done Sunday in the Park with George on Broadway. And I had heard about this production happening of this gender swapped company in London. And I was like, that sounds so cool. And God, what I wouldn't give to play the flight attendant, because it's one of those roles that like, they just don't write roles like that for men. Um, it's way too much fun. And, um, and so I, I did, like had this vague, you know, uh, maybe that's going to happen and maybe it's going to come to New York and I will never get that role because I've, I've already had my dream come true, which is doing a Sondheim show on Broadway, you know? Um, and I got an audition for this show and I found out later, it was actually an audition for, um, for Jamie who sings not getting married today because the, in the initial casting round, they were just calling everybody in for Bobby or Jamie, all the women for Bobby, all the men for Jamie. And I remember in the waiting room, I was there with like Titus Burgess and um, I, just all of these people, lots of, I knew all of these famous, famous people were going in for anybody in this show. And, um, and I went in and had the audition, had a great time, but didn't get it, uh, didn't get that role. And months later, I found out it's because basically on the spot, they were like, oh, he's not that he's, he's going to play Andy and, uh, who's the flight attendant. And I did call, I'd have a, I had like one callback where I sang with the other guys who sing, um, drive a person crazy. And it's not often that you get cast in a show you were just about to buy tickets to, 
or that you (laughs) would have been a huge fan of. And this is one of those kind of golden moments where I just love this show so much. I would have loved this production if I had sat down and watched it and I get to do it every day is pretty dreamy to me. Yeah. And again, it's such a funny performance because you're right. It's not like they don't write parts like that for men and you like you find depth in it that I've just never seen before. It's (laughs) it's so funny. Uh, And then and then there's, you know, a sex scene, Mm -hmm. which is which will change things for uh, gay people on Broadway, I think. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> truly. It's, I mean, it's believable. Um, but yeah, I, it's it, it truly bravo. I saw Thank it on a, a Wednesday matinee. It was a very, it was a very, you know, retired Long Island energy in the house. But by the end of it, people were on their feet. It was uh, truly magnificent. Thanks. You, so um, you came into my life uh, in a Sondheim review at the Hollywood Bowl. <gasps> oh my gosh! Yeah, it was a Sondheim review. With you and I want to say Vanessa Williams. You're correct. Yes. Truly, I remember no one else from this. Matthew Morrison might have been involved. Yeah. You know, he was supposed to be involved, but then okay. he dropped out. Okay. Um, John Groff was in it. Jesse Tyler right. Ferguson. Yes. It was a it was a wonderful group of people who are yeah. wonderful. Vanessa Williams and I somehow from, became just very friendly during that short time. We yeah. still text and. We have a Marco Polo that has been going on for a long time. I love wow. her so much. She is a wonderful, wonderful person. And um, yeah, but yes, I did that. That was right. Uh, that was right after I did Sunday in the Park with George on Broadway and right before uh-huh. my son was born. And actually, that was the last thing I did before my son was born. And then I took off for, I mean, this is sort of company is the first thing I'm doing back, really. Really? Um, yeah, I took, I kind of took a break. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So how far along were you before everything locked down? We had about 10 performances of the show. Um, And, you know, at the time, my life was running a million miles an hour at that time. We were in previews. I was just about to film the pilot of this TV show that I was working on that's coming out in January. And it all was just pulled out from under us so quickly. And um, yeah, I went, I, I got the call that we were going to shut down. I called my husband and um, said, we're going to shut down for two weeks. Let's go upstate to our house. And I went and bought a pizza and I bought a carrot cake and I ate them both (laughs) because I I do have to be in my underwear in the show. And so I'm on a diet Mm -hmm. and I was like, fuck that. I'm going to eat everything and I'm going to drink everything. And we did that for a while. And then we, um, yeah, we stayed, we stayed upstate for the next 18 months. Jeez. All right. And so right now it is running with a lot of swings and understudies, if I'm not wrong, right? That is correct. Um, Okay. You know, we have been lucky in that I think we have probably the most um, comprehensive testing policy of any Broadway show. We do a PCR test every day, which is incredibly expensive, but also like I tested positive, you know, I have this sex scene. I'm kissing the leading lady a lot. Yeah. And I tested positive and was out of the show and she never got sick because they caught it early enough. Wow. So we've been very lucky to not shut down because people have, people have stayed in the show. Yeah. And you're back this Saturday. It is true. This Saturday. I can't, I'm so excited. Yeah. Talk us through it. How do you feel? 
you know, we immediately, when I got sick, we went upstate again just to get out of the city, which has been nice because it has provided some distance. It makes me, you know, like I forget that the show is going on. The show's going on right now, in fact. They're in the middle nice. of a matinee right now. And, you know, to have like made this thing and then have somebody else be doing, you know, doing the thing you made is just strange. It's so strange that it's going on without me. And, um, and I just miss everyone so much after everything we've been through together to not be with everybody as more crazy things happen and more understudies get called on and more people are, you know, um, is, is sad. And I'll be very, very excited to be back with everyone. Yeah. It is a crazy talented cast. Uh, ridiculous. I mean, it's yep. just so good. God, it's just so good. I can't wait to see it again. Good. Yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna. Okay. Good. Um, so good. let's talk about this husband of yours. Okay. I have one. How did you, how did you meet? He's real. Yeah. He's real. He's real. We met working on a show. Um, it's the showmance that just won't stop. Um, uh -huh. We met the 12, 12 years ago. Moises Kaufman directed this, an out of town tryout of a production of Into the Woods that was like this weird, dark anime Into the Woods. And I played the wolf and Cinderella's prince. And he was the artistic director of the theater where the show happened. And um, we started, we were like flirting. And by the end of the end of the run, I asked him out on a date and um, we, there, there we are. Here we are. So what was the first date? Yeah. Where'd you go? First date was his birthday. Uh, it was the night before his birthday. We went out and then um, I <laughs> went back to his house. Great first date. Great first Success. date. It was a very good first date. And the next morning I made him cinnamon rolls for his birthday. Because I'm a cow. baker. And um, baked him my love. And now oh, here we are. Oh, here, here we disgusting. are in states with a kid. Yeah. yeah. So what was your dating life like? prior to meeting him? Um, you know, I dated in New York. I, I moved to New York with like my college boyfriend and, um, and you know, we broke up right before I started dating my now husband. Um, and when my husband and I started dating, we didn't live in the same city. We were like, we shouldn't just date each other immediately. And I was just getting out of this relationship. And he was like, you should date other people and kiss other boys. And I was like, yes, I should. And I did that for a little while. And then I was like, wow, this sucks. Uh, I hate it. Um, dating is awful. And um, guys are terrible. And we, we got kind of serious soon thereafter. And it was good. The fact that we were in two different cities made us really decide if we were going to get serious pretty quickly because it was going to be really difficult, which I think was great in that it did make us, you know, or like, are we going to do this? Are we going to start flying back and forth and seeing each other a lot? Or mm -hmm. should we just let this go? Mm -hmm. And now here you are. During that single period where like, were you a, was it a Hell's Kitchen kind of a scene? Was it a, were we East Village? I was living in the West Village. I was living on uh, nice. West 4th and West 10th. Oh, come um, on. With the frat people throwing up on my stoop every day. And well, it was but other fun. Than that, it was a great fun. neighborhood. It was totally fun. Great neighborhood. Yeah. I love, I still love going back. Yeah. Um, so I guess I was like a Julius gay. Ah, oh, great. The very best mm. kind. Ah, oh, thanks. I like it. A classic, a throwback. 
to to just bring something full circle. Uh, Mattachine, you know, that party that's at Julius. Yeah. Um, The last time I was at that, um, the, uh, it was John Cameron Mitchell DJing and he was in the middle of the song and he stopped and Parker Posey got onto the bar and delivered a monologue. Oh, come on. A dramatic monologue. And like, that's my gay dream come true. I mean, mine too. You could hear a pin drop. There was no reason for it to be happening, but it was like the most perfect moment. Yeah, that sounds amazing. That's perfect. Perhaps in my entire gay life. Yeah. Anyway, maybe that sounds uh-huh. pretty perfect. There yeah. Go. Yeah. So you have a four-year-old kid. Um, yes. How is how is parenting? Oh, it's so hard. No, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, great. Did I say hard? I love it. No, it is yeah. great. He is, he is the best. Um, and you know the the like unusual gift of COVID was that I got to spend a year with him before he starts school, uh, just right. at home, and it was wonderful and. He's great. He's the best kid. So talk us through the decision to become dads in the first place. Well, I, you know, we both want, we both, we talked about it on like our third date about wanting kids. And I was kind of like, I've always wanted kids. And he said, I, I've always wanted kids too, sort of, but I didn't know if it would ever happen. I was like, yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe it will. And actually for our wedding, we, um, we registered for a baby. We were like, we're doing this surrogacy. It's going to be really expensive don't buy us a coffee pot Buy like throw 30 bucks into a baby fund, please. And so we raised a bunch of money from that. And then we, um, we did a surrogacy. Uh, I was the sperm donor. He kind of had no desire to genetically reproduce and I sort of did. And so that was like easy for us. Um, I know it's like a very, it's a very emotional question for a lot of gay dads, but for us, mm-hmm. it was sort of like, yeah, this, we don't really care. And, um, and we had an amazing surrogate who we're still really good friends with, but all of them were stranger. You know, we, we were introduced to her by a, an agency and, um, and he was born in Fresno, Colorado, in California in, in 2017. Wow. And congratulations. So, it's, it's I mean, good. as you said, it's, it is enormously complicated for queer couples everywhere for many different reasons, but uh, I, I'm, I'm getting married in May. Kids are kids. Is, uh, children is on the table for us. It's sort of an ongoing discussion. What uh, What do you wish that you knew going into that? Wait, first, Matt, you're getting married. I am. Oh my gosh, are you ready? No, of course not. No, that's like uh, it's coming up. Are you having like a big wedding? Is it a small uh, wedding? It's is small-ish, it a... but you know, I, I, okay. I'm a little bit like. Now hoping that it still happens, you know that it won't. It, so many plans Fair. have fallen through that, like I'm sort of um, reserving some excitement. I think that's that's probably safe. That's probably yeah. a safe move. Yeah, but but to have kids is definitely sort of like we're gonna have that conversation as soon as we get through this thing. Yeah, you know it is. I think that a lot of my gay friends, especially gay my gay like married friends. When I had, when we had our son, I feel like a lot of them thought that because I was having a son, I felt like everybody should be having kids. And a lot of people were like, kind of got, got a little strange about the conversation about it and being like, oh, well, I just, I couldn't, I'm just too selfish. I could never, that was the thing that everyone said is I'm too selfish to have kids. It's like, that's fine. By all means, don't. It is, it's hard. Don't do it. But we really wanted to. And it was, you know, we it it was something and 
you know, as gay men, we have a very specific set of problems for having a for making a baby, which is not a straight couple with fertility problems or or lesbian couple or anything else. We are, you know, we don't have the oven. Uh, we can't turn food into a person like other people can. And so we um, it, it took us I mean, it took us about three years of of like finding surrogates and egg donors and agencies and doctors and it was very, very complicated and difficult. And at any, at any point, we could have stopped and said, "Hey, we don't want to do this." And at every, at every challenge that arose, we decided to keep going. And um, and I think that that was actually really good for us in that it really, you know, we didn't just accidentally get pregnant. We we really knew this is what we wanted to do. And and also, you know, when my son was born, I was thirty five. My husband was forty five. And, you know, I think gay, gay families start later, which is also really nice. You know, people like lots of gay men are having their first kid in their 50s. That's great. Um, I think that we have more time than ever to make that decision, which is very nice. Mm, that's good to hear. So don't take your time. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. You're welcome. I yep. will pass that on. Mm -hmm. Clay, what can you tell us about the Gilded Age? Oh, um, I can tell you very little, unfortunately, okay. but That's I can tell you something. Sort of what things. I figured. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I play I play John Adams. I play a character named John Adams, who is the great grandson of John Quincy Adams. So I'm one of the rich people um, in the show, and um, it is. I I think that it's going to be very very special. I've seen I've seen parts of it now, and um, you know. You just, you don't know how those things are. You oftentimes don't know how it's going to turn out, what's going to happen in the edit and things. And as I've been watching it, it is so beautiful. The storytelling is so delicate and, 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 um, and deep. And, you know, Julian Fellows writes every word. It's, in, I, the, it's so incredible to me that, you know, we think of shows having whole writer's rooms full of people. Julian's just writing everything. And he writes these people with passions and feelings and problems all by himself in a room. And it's just incredible to me. Um, so I'm so excited. It finally comes out end of January after waiting again, waiting for another like two years. We, fil we filmed it all through the pandemic. So we were, I remember my first day on set, I was shooting a scene with Christine Baranski and Cynthia Nixon. And we rehearsed, we did everything with masks on, rehearsed everything, you know, in our full head to toe period garb, but with masks on. And we wouldn't take the masks off until we were starting to film takes. And so we were in there, you know, rehearsing, walking through everything. It was a kind of complicated scene. So we're blocking it out and things. And we finally got to the first take and we took off, everybody took off their masks and things. And we started to do the first take and I totally fumbled everything because I was like, oh my God, it's Christine Baranti and Cynthia Nixon. Jeez. Ah! You know, it was oh like, God. oh, fuck, that's them. That's not, that's not somebody who looks like them. Um, and they were lovely and the best and, and, um, and so warm and sweet. And, and at the end of the day, we all shared a pizza and, um, it, the three of us, and it was wonderful. They're, they're so, such incredible women to work with. Um, and the work that they both do on the show is just delightful. It's so delightful. Oh so I can't God. wait. 
for people well, who cannot wait to see it. Speaking of uh, Cynthia Nixon and uh, important shows on HBO, and you, mm-hmm. of course, were in the Carrie Diaries, so you're part oh. of the the universe. So, and I am obsessed with and just like that. Uh, so I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you your take. I haven't seen it yet. Oh. I haven't seen it yet. I know. I know. As a person, like you said, like being in the in the Sex in the City universe, sort of in a very tangential way, but still there. I should be watching it. I just haven't watched it yet. But I'm sort of excited. I will. I really wish I could binge it because that's what I want to do. I want that satisfaction of like watching ten of them. Yeah, I want to watch it. So maybe I will get that. Maybe that dream will come true. Um, but otherwise, I can. probably need to like thank you. I thank you for believing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so yeah. You will. You'll react. Is okay. all I have to all say. Right. And it's. All right. It is. Feelings. I have no idea whether mm-hmm. I like it, but I I know that I'm going to watch every. Oh, frame. okay. Well, unlike House of Gucci, it right. is it. legitimately great. And okay. there have been a lot of takes all over the place, but once when you've seen it, let's yeah. discuss because I'm the only one who has the correct take. We'll bring you back. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, perfect. You're, all right. You're, so trusting uh, by the that, way, perfect. You're on this show once a month from here forward, and that's just what we're going to do. <laughs> Please, at any time. Um, I feel like I've talked your ears off this whole time. That is no, <laughs> this is, you haven't, and okay. even if you have, that's what that you're here to do. Fine. That's what okay, you're here great, to do. Great, um, you, so you were so you were like a pop kid in the '90s. It sounds like mm-hmm. what yeah, what are, yeah. what are we listening to now? Oh my gosh, sort of, sort of everything. I mean, um, things that I'm obsessed with right now. Um, I've been listening to a lot of uh, folk music. Oh my god, I'm so nerdy. I just get nerdier I, as I talk. But um, why? Why is that nerdy? I'm just folk. I'm like a nerdy folk music kid. Um, listen to a lot of folk music. How uh, are we defining folk? Uh, I, I would say from a broad spectrum sense, like, yes, it, like Joni Mitchell, but also, you know, like tiny, weird family bands from Quebec. Um, truly. I like, I have weird playlists of like the McGarrigal yeah. sisters and the offshoots of that crew. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Great. Fully, fully. Love it. But also, I'm not an idiot. I listened to Adele's album start to finish like a good gay man should. I went to church sure. and sure, it was sure. great. I loved it very much. Uh-huh. Um, but also, I'm a big podcast listener. Even at the gym, I listen to podcasts. I don't, I don't, people are, I know a lot of people listen to like pump me up music. I listen to a lot of podcasts, history or food. Uh, oh, great. Oh, great. Any recommendations? Yeah. Um, I love Savor, which is a food podcast. Oh, oh it's it. so boring. Um, it's so, my husband is like, you listen to this on purpose? Like, yes. Yes, give me an hour about pomegranates. Oh, come on. I just love it. Um, yeah. I'm fascinated by that. I also love um, American Shadows and um, Stuff You Missed in History Class and Great. How I Built This. I also mm-hmm. am a huge fan of Risk podcast risk ah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so good so kind of dirty and sexy and funny and good yeah would you go yeah, on it totally oh i've thought okay. about it a million times and i've had several friends go on it yeah um i have plenty of those stories okay so. yeah same but i also have a mother who's alive so i so i'm torn <gasps> well, you know what i mean right that is the problem that is that the big is problem. the problem that is the problem i mean you the the chances of her finding her way to any podcast um you know much Small. less that one are slim but they're not none so mm-hmm. i uh, yeah can't can't risk it not to I, no pun intended. A- A-O. 
I kind of don't know what to do about my family coming to see company because, oh yeah, Dave, as you know, yeah, there are some things that happen in company. It's not just it's not just me being in my underwear. There are right. some other things that happen that will be difficult to explain yes. to my mother. Um, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. Also, there's, I mean, yeah. it's not not explicit. I it's mean, not, it's not it's explicit. Not, it's it's uh, you, what is happening is suggested, but it's it's very clearly suggested. It's not shown. It's yeah, but it's but you know what you know quick. what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, I've thought about that with my own mother as well. Uh, yeah, but you know what? Uh-huh. I, I, I we got through the favorite together barely. So oh, I think I think we can we can make so it through good. company. So good. yeah, if you can if you can get through that, you can make it through company. That's kind of, that's what it. I figured. That's what I figured. Yeah, great. Yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. Claiborne Elder. This has been an absolute uh, perfect way to end 2021. We're ending on a high note. Oh my gosh, it's over. Can you believe? Let's get high. Yeah, let's do it. Oh yeah, my God. You're both delightful. Thank you you're for having delightful. me. This was a great, you're delightful. This is what I want to do in quarantine isolation. I should call it yes. isolation. And, and just quickly, any New Year's resolutions, goals, <sighs> vision boards? Yeah, I love a vision board. I'll be honest. I love a visual representation of, of my future um, mm-hmm. in goals. <sighs> you know, this year I want to this year I want to Marie Kondo my life. I mm. want to I want to throw away everything. Yeah. That's what I want. That is my goal. Okay. That is my goal for the year. Great. I want so your vision it's board is a just a bunch of trash. It's just garbage. It's just white space and then garbage all around the outside. Yes. Good. I well yeah. we want that for you. What yeah, is you. uh what's your dream role? Like what what is the what's the the role you're absolutely dying to play? Oh, I hate that this is the answer, but this is totally the answer. As a person who studied dramaturgy, mm-hmm. my favorite thing in the world is is like developing new work and making things. So yeah. my dream role is sort of the role that's being write, written right now, mm-hmm. um, because that's my favorite. And frankly, it's where my skill set lies. I'm not. I'm. I am better at. I'm better in a room with a director who is gonna. Who is like. I don't know what this is. Than a person who is like. You will be this mm. because yeah. I try. I like to go in and try everything and be wrong a bunch of times before I'm ever right. Um, and in fact, I'm. Wor- I'm doing a. Do you know the the book Dancer from the Dance? Mm-hmm. Seminal yeah. gay yeah literature. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a workshop of Dancer from the Dance at BAM the last two weeks of January, and I'm so excited. There's no script. We're just going in with a bunch of dancers and a, a set of actors. They're not even sure if it's a play. It's like either a dance piece or a play, and we're just wow. going to spend oh, two wow. weeks like playing. I love it. Oh, it's so Amazing. great. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm booking that ticket uh, right yeah. now. <laughs> um, Clay, thank you so much. And have Thank you. a very safe and happy new year and a and a and a and a, a wonderful return to the stage on Saturday. Thank you so much. And if you're listening, get that ticket. It's such a good show. Homophilia is a World of Wonder production, produced and edited by Kate Moldenhauer. Special thanks to Randy Barbato, Fenton Bailey, Stephen Sims, Edward Bochniak, and the whole team at World of Wonder. We love you. And theme music by my Ben Wise. Yes, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HomophiliaPod. You can give us a five-star review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Mm. Thank you for listening. We love you. We love you.